what's what what's an intro look like here we just talk about who we are i think i think so and and some of what we're going to talk about so um i'm jeff mccready coach and we have dr trevin clo here a happiness researcher marriage and family therapist also college professor um, and uh, we are co-hosting a leadership retreat at the end of June this year. And this podcast is going to be a regular installment that we offer both to give a little bit of a glimpse about what we're going to be exploring this summer, but also the kinds of interesting things that Trevin and I are working on in the, our flow. And we have different uh, different modalities and different areas of expertise. And so we're happy to welcome everyone along on the ride. Yeah, I think we described it. I liked it when we said, uh, you know, your practice, your approach is to help people figure out what to do. And then we, I get to help uh, figure out whether that's going to make them happy or not. Yes, yes, absolutely. So a little bit of the holistic and a little bit of the tactical here. Yeah. And I, I think that sort of missed our, our uh, you know, our culture success. A lot of things when people get successful, they're not happy. And it's just not taught and it's not thought about. And there's great data and there's great information about what's happening when we're enjoying life. And that seems to be very dismissed from uh, career pursuits and success pursuits and what we think we want in life. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think um, I've been observing as I have the chance to work with some amazing, ambitious business people and in all different corners of industry some of us really know when we have enough and some of us don't. And it's not something that I've seen taught a lot in our culture. And I think that comes back to what you're talking about as far as setting goals and looking at our aspirations and knowing when they're healthy for us. Yeah. Enough's a funny concept. Uh, so if somebody were to come put pork chops in front of us, then our stomach and mind would tell us at some point, okay, enough, done. But that's because it's concrete. And when we make it abstract, sort of like, you know, what money is or things like that, um, we don't do enough. It just feels like, you know, the infinity symbol in our head trying to figure out what. Um, and so there are no, there are no arrivals from that perspective. So I think enough is interesting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because we're, we're not engineered to arrive at enough when it comes to the things that, that are defined like that. So I wonder how the concept of enough and our experience of burnout in work, especially over the last, say, three to five years, how those are connected. Yeah, what do you think? I think that as, as culture changes, we go into a lot of defensive mindset, especially when it comes to finances, protecting you know our homes and our families and things like that. And if we have to stack rank our priorities, survival is usually over experience. But I think that that's a little bit of a fallacy here because the experience becomes unsurvivable at a certain point. And so we have some competing priorities as far as announcing that we have enough perhaps before some of our competitors does that weaken us or sticking to our guns or our values perhaps um and and finding something that truly is meaningful for us but may not be meaningful to those we're competing against 
Yeah, I've been playing with this idea, you know, I've chatted some about the idea that humanity, we escaped survival jail. No predators, plenty of food. We are out of the food chain. And to our knowledge, that's the first time that's ever happened. And yet we got out of the food chain with a whole bunch of really, you know, very self-protective and understanding our environment and thinking and relating to each other. We're an inter interdependent species. We got out of the food chain with all this hardware and software and this, you know, meat suit that we're wearing around. And so all of our being and our instincts are based on survival, except we're kind of in a world where we don't need to survive anymore. And so even when you say the word competition, I know that sounds sort of, you know, pie in the sky or whatever. And, and I don't mean it that way. I mean, most of our survival instincts are really uncomfortable. That's where anxiety comes from. That's where fear comes from. That's what competition is. That's what anger and most of the things that make us miserable don't help us anymore. We don't need them in this world, except it's what we're built for. So it's interesting, you know, a lot of the happiness literature and, and things, it's a, it keeps pointing back to the idea of, all right, we can dismantle some of our survival instincts. They're working against us in terms of doing our best and enjoying life. Um, which leads to a question I, I had for you mm. um, related to what you do, because I, I think a lot of, you know, as a therapist, I think people kind of know what I do. I try to help them suffer less. And you're kind of at the other end of the spectrum where you're helping people live better. So one of the things that's very clear in the literature is we don't know what's good for us. We don't know what we'll like. We don't really know. We're terrible at making decisions for ourselves. Um, and the reason is because we're in our own way. And a lot of that is those survival instincts. So um, what we do know is that the way to get out of our way is to get it out of us and set it out there and kind of put it on a chalkboard and have somebody flush it out with us. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I kind of do that when people aren't doing well in life or in their relationships or whatever. But uh, how does that relate to your work? Because I see that being your job is helping people pull it out, flush it out and look at it. I would say that that is, that's a huge focus of what I do. And it's the part of what I do that I really like, which is asking questions so that people can come to their own realizations. I know for, for myself and my own path, I've had great advice and consultations, you know, directives, but I need to learn the really critical lessons myself. And they have to come from within me to feel organic enough to spend all my time and money and effort trying to accomplish whatever that might be. So working with someone, not because I'm a genius, but because I'm focused on surfacing what's going on, I find usually the first part is just self-awareness. How long has it been since I was self-reflective, self-aware? I had goals maybe three or five years ago, or maybe 10 years ago. Maybe my values have changed since then. And I personally by myself in my own room, don't usually go around and explain, well, these are the top five things that I'd really like to do. I haven't taken time for, or maybe these are three fears that keep me from actually pursuing the really significant passion project ahead of me. Saying something like that out loud, especially in front of someone that you're going to talk to next week has an incredibly powerful effect. Not because 
person owes anything to anyone other than themselves, but because they've shared with the world, they want something. And so it's going to surface. It's going to surface more and more until it becomes an action step. Yeah. And I think if I were to answer those questions and I were just to do it in my head, I'd, I'd be full of shit to myself. It's, <laughs> there's something about getting it out and getting it on paper and reflecting and having to show it to someone and, and then go, wait, is that what you really want? And there's contradictions there. And where's that coming from? Because I kind of know you and I don't think that's going to be what you really want. Those kinds of things. And so what I heard you say there is, and I see, I see this in you as a person, a, a good question is better than the right answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because we need to turn. We, you know, it's an arrival. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a journey arriving at things like goals and things like that. It's difficult to set goals if we're not sure what the granular data is that we're drawing on. What do I care mm-hmm. about? What am I good at? What do I want the most? And going back to your comment about the difficulty that we have actually surfacing and identifying what it is that we truly want. How, what's your experience been as far as working with clients and, and trying to surface some of those things? Have you have you gotten into those kinds of conversations? Oh, yeah. I, it's <laughs> and a couple interesting things. Maybe this will help sort of differentiate what we do in the different perspectives. Most of my stuff is they want to stop suffering in one area of their life. Mm-hmm. They want to relate better. They want, you know, the change comes from a place of being very unsettled. Um, and I think what you do is help people guide towards the things that they want that are good for their lives. When I work with people on, on, change and those kinds of things, it ends up being, um, yeah, a place of moving away from something. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you get to move towards things. <clears throat> it is um, the work of growth is so exciting because oftentimes the reason that someone decides that they're interested in pursuing a goal or, you know, pursuing coaching and having some support often is not the final reason or the final purpose of what comes out. So I think that there's actually a calling in a lot of us to break the bottleneck or get involved in something new or have that kind of transformational moment that coaching was really designed to cultivate. And it may happen you know, in the first 20 minutes, or it might happen on, you know, after, after several weeks or months of work, but being patient enough to continue to ask who are you and what do you want in enough different ways so that someone actually is able to kind of surface that and start to pursue those things. I personally didn't love networking until I identified what I wanted to talk about and who I wanted to talk with. And now it's really fun to reach out online. But that being said, if I didn't have any kind of context necessarily on my on my goals or values or something like that, I'm not really in the in the pilot seat. I'm not ready for action yet. So I think in order to start growing, there is a little bit of pop the hood, see what's in there, commit, get be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. But it is it is moving towards transformation, really, in the end. Yeah, there's a pivot. Um and, I, you know, there's a real sense, you can feel the tension in people 
over the, you know, I don't know what COVID did or whatnot, but people are pretty uptight in general. I find that there's less, there's fewer questions of each other. There's few real interactions. Everybody's kind of intense. And I think part of that is that the world is moving very quickly. And in that, I think we better get good at pivoting because there's going to be a lot of pivots no matter what you're doing, you know? And so I see also a lot of your role is helping people pivot, right? Right. Yeah. Promotions and pivots, if I had to say it in two words. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Promotions. How do you help people with promotions? Is that a new role? Are they learning how to do something new? Sure. Um, No. Well, sometimes I'm working with someone who wants to change their life. And sometimes I'm working with someone who wants to get better at their life. And so working with folks who, you know, maybe it's their first leadership opportunity. They're targeting that VP role or something like that. What, you know, what, what kind of elements of my executive presence do I need to polish? What kinds of systems do I need to set up or, or, you know, what kind of maybe leadership book or persona can I start to cultivate in myself? Um, Helping people pivot or rather um, ascend the ladder in the, in the, in their particular company or, or in their chosen field may certainly be with a different company, but finding a way to can move up within a, an existing framework. Yeah. Is leadership taught? I mean, I know it's kind of academic. You could sit in a class and read a book or whatever, but there's a lot to leadership, right? Well, the thing about leadership is a little bit like performing. If they're, if a person is all by themselves, they can't very well practice it. Gotcha. We, we need a group. We need a crew. And so, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of academic opportunities to discuss leadership and things like that. But until we actually have a chance to be that, act that way, show that confidence, use those communication skills, it remains entirely, I think, academic. It's the, it's the implementation and the personal risk-taking in the end that makes a leader. Risk-taking. What's, it's interesting because I think about leadership and people who people want to, you know, I guess it's setting a direction and getting people to head that direction, right? Harnessing the best in everybody towards it. I don't know. I don't know leadership, but how would you define it? I like, I like where you're going with that. Um, It's a pretty big subject. So of course, you know, one sentence definition is uh, always debatable, but (laughs) (laughs) I think um, when I when I go to define leadership, I I like to compare it to management. Um, difference between certainly leaders and managers are responsible for strategy, mission, um, guiding the company, organization, guiding operations. It can be you know in in many different formats, but within those two roles, one is more strategic and long uh, long sighted. And certainly one, the manager is a little bit more tactical, executing day-to-day, ensuring operations, ensuring, you know, the Q-tips are filled and things like that. The schedule is written. Whereas what a good leader is going to do is look at the long-term horizon, the long-term strategy, and ask not only are we doing what we're doing in the correct way, in the best way possible, but the other question, the bigger question that really only the leader is responsible for asking is, are we doing the right thing? Are we in the right kind of business? John Deere, for example, began 
making Oregon Trail wagons in Chicago. Now they're responsible for making a lot of different kinds of things. Some leader in that organization in the early 1900s said, we're not in the right business right now. We need to change. Hmm. So that is that is leadership. It's the willingness to, as you pointed out, take a risk, analyze something that may be unanticipated by others, make a calculation, have a truly perceptive uh, view of the trade-offs and be able to weigh those in a way that others may not be able to. I think that's what's going to be, you know, that defines a leader and also a great leader. Gotcha. So management is the details that are in front of us and leadership is direction and momentum. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Direction, momentum, strategy. Strategy. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's why sometimes when people get to middle management, as it's called, they might not be as satisfied as they may have imagined. Because when I think of leading a group, I think of impacting that strategy. Um, and that tends to be the thing that is meaningful to a lot of people. So I think that's that's one disparity of, of uh, how people plan their careers and try to you know optimize for either what I think I should do, which is be better at my function, or what I can do, which is to learn to lead other people to be better at their functions. And those are two different kinds of personalities. Absolutely. I, I also think leadership is a skill. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think a lot of people have thought about or learned the skill. And they may be great at it. They've just never done it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the and you and I had a discussion about AI and chatbots and the jobs that it's sort of moving into. And one of our kind of thoughts was, oh, there's going to be a lot more leaders and a lot less workers. Mm -hmm. Most positions are going to require some some form of direction, leadership, strategy, because the, the the work is going to be done for you in terms of putting words together and putting papers together and points together. There's the value is going to be in the direction. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I I <clears throat> I'm glad you brought it up because as we're all experimenting with the new AI chatbots and things like that. We're finding out what they're good at and where they fall short, but they're getting better very quickly. So while many people who are good writers are still able to write much, much better than all of these bots, maybe by next year, that may not be the case. So I think one question that many people are asking, of course, is how is this going to affect our economy and which jobs will it impact the most? And I think one interesting model there is well, for every single significant technological advance that has come through our culture, there has been a big change. And at the very highest, you know, if we were to zoom out as much as possible, we're, we're going to be impacting, you know, we're going to be uh, keeping those roles that, that this, this particular technology is not able to support. So that is the knowing which questions to ask which yeah. data to compare, when to do those things. 
those are those really strategic leadership skills that who knows how far this bot will go, but those are not going to be the first things that it's able to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I, I think that um, one of the things that our education model, our culture success has set us up for is you describe it as sort of middle manager, but in support of somebody else's vision, there are jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm super curious about whether a lot of those jobs that are in support of someone else's vision aren't going to not be needed or mm -hmm. it, it'll take, it'll take one person to do what a lot of people used to do. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of go back to, I think leadership's going to be really valuable. Those people connections, the direction, that's something that those technologies can't do. What I'm hearing from you here is the execution heavy positions are definitely in the direct pathway of this, this new technology. Mm -hmm. It's the strategy heavy positions that are not. And we were just going through the management and leadership. And certainly when you come to vision, vision is absolutely one of those core things that is squarely in the leadership category. Yeah. And, you know, wherever human connection is still going to be essential, that's going to be a skill that's still really valuable. And I see that as a big part of leadership is, mm. you know, getting along with people, knowing connections, knowing everybody else's strengths and, being able to connect about those things where new ideas come up and and shared ideas, taking all that information in. So um, I think it's super interesting though. I wonder what we're missing in this great thing. There's always an elephant in the room, you know, the, the way that will impact us in this way that we didn't expect. Yeah. And it sounds like everybody's asking that question on every level. Um, I do know that there's sort of this sense that, um, you know, not a like a physical life form, but there's a mental life form th that is outside of what humans do. It's doing things and thinking in ways that we can't. And it's just starting. And mm -hmm. the scary part is we don't know how it does it. Right. So it's almost like the there's an organic formula that was let loose and whether it's off the leash or not, we don't know, but um, right. we'll find out. But I think to your point, that's going to be interesting to see. I think there's going to be a lot of benefit in people who can make people connections and um, use this tool to do the things we don't even know that can be done because mm -hmm. there seems to be some of them. Right. Right. Well, just the same as when we got the glorious search bar on Google or Yahoo or, you know, Netscape as it were. Yeah. And how that then armed all of our most intelligent, productive folks all the way down to folks who are not engaged in those things as much. And everyone took some of a step forward. And certainly the people who leaned into it more were able to expand their impact there. So the question is, who's going to be able to leverage this in the best way? Yep. Yep. Are there classes and, on how to write the best prompt? Right. Because that's going to be better than writing the best paragraph. Right. Uh, so uh, how do you think that's going to affect the the coaching that you do? Mm. It comes up 
in a lot of a lot of conversations uh, currently. Um, just as far as oftentimes a way to to break a break a bottleneck or break a logjam. Certainly, it's excellent at you know drafting or brainstorming ideas or or something like that. And a lot of what I do, as we talked about in the beginning, is helping people to get in touch with who they are now, who they are this year. And so if we're needing recommendations of new activities to try to, to know ourselves better or um, the opportunity to start you know, drafting uh, some kind of a document, if you're interested in writing or researching something, I'm finding that it's actually helping people break through those personal fears or those personal hesitations that kind of keep us from pursuing the goals that are, you know, number one or number two, or they're on the back burner and I'm just too busy at work. So I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'll admit it. Um, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying seeing the ways in which it's helping people move towards their own growth so far. Yeah. I wonder how much of your job is accountability. Only half. <laughs> right? it, yeah there's something valuable about oh i gotta show up with something right right exactly exactly so as far as other ways that it might actually you know take a bite out of coaching work and other kinds of things like that i don't know i really haven't seen that yet but when i have tried to ask it for you know please describe the top 10 leadership traits and how to cultivate them. I'm left a little wanting. So I'm going to still, you know, flip through some paper books and, and check those kinds of things out. But as we're seeing, it's it's applicable in everything from spaceship parts to coding Python. And, and so there's no reason it can't help us with leadership too. Yeah. I, I Just in my work, I have a hunch for a lot of life, people are still going to want the human connection. Mm -hmm. um, well, we still have bookstores. Everyone said they wouldn't be here still. Yep. Um, you know, I know, I know that that is is one of those great examples. Records are selling more than CDs now, um, yep. and those kinds of things. So I think that we are going to see a value on human painted paintings and human written books and things like that, just like we say handmade. Yeah, so that kind of thing because. This is intellectualizing the manufacturing revolution in many ways. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be super interesting. Also, um, you know, so I played with it in my job a little bit, and I think everybody's going, "Why <laughs> is this going to replace me?" And I think in some areas, it probably can, like diagnosing and some specific direction and that kind of thing but I play with it sort of with some of the things that I do for people and I can't make it not be parental. It feels very parental. Yes. It's very, this is what, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this is the right thing to do. You know, those kinds of things. And, <laughs> At the and, bottom, it says I'm disappointed in you. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, and you know, maybe that's part of it too. I, I guess that's another thing that's interesting is we're an interdependent species. We do not do well without connection mm -hmm. and that's not going anywhere. No. Um, so, yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation without dialing into zoom on a Friday afternoon here. 
Um, right. And it is Friday afternoon and I still want to be here having this conversation. And that's because of that value. What's your favorite part of your job? Favorite part of my job is talking to someone who I'm certain I can help. Like, give me the bat. I know I can do this. This is going to be great. You know, we can set up these steps and explore. And then there's always that moment of, oh, I don't know it all. You know, I may have steps. I may have some past, you know, kind of examples or something like this. But on every single one of those amazing and exciting moments when I feel like I've got something to offer, I learned something I wasn't expecting. So it's that learning, I think, that I like. I would imagine there's a lot of discovery. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, which is great because I get to walk that path along with whoever I get to work with that the, the, all of the lessons and the discussion are around certainly someone's personal experience and their, their role or their goals, but empathy breeds compassion. And we all have so many of the same or similar experiences I'm finding, especially the more people I speak with that that is an opportunity for everyone participating to grow from those examples, even though it may not, you know, have, have come from, from my, you know, challenging meeting or, you know, interesting discussion or a new project at work or something like that. Yeah. Do, do you find that people put well-being and happiness in the equation of their goals and the things that they're wanting from you? We do see it. It is in there. But I think that sometimes for a lot of us, it ends up being something we feel obligated to put on the list. And maybe it isn't something that we're numerically optimizing for the same as maybe a quota or earnings or um, so I think I think the thing is, is that while we are, I think as a society moving more and more towards valuing meaning and personal importance in what we do, we still have a long way to go is my observation there. It's something we're always constantly reminding ourselves of. It doesn't seem to be the knee-jerk first priority for most of us. Right. And, you know, if we sort of circle back to that, that idea about breaking out of survival jail, our state of mind still is it defines success by status, things other people observing about us having more security, um, being better, be the best you can be kinds of things. And yeah, those things, you know, it's funny when, if, if we're not cold and we're not hungry and we're not scared, we're already 60 to 70% of the way towards happiness. Hmm. You know, the difference between, you know, watching a Netflix that night and maybe going to a very expensive play is those percentages of joy aren't that different above and beyond the I'm comfortable. I'm okay. And so I think we miss that. So we can spend a tremendous amount of time and ultimately suffering and, and um, strain and stress trying to get very small percentages of happiness above where we are or an enjoyment of life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's an interesting component is people step back and go, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Where do I want to be? So 
I think that's interesting. And I'm curious maybe what reading or research would say around. So once we have those lower echelon, you know, roof, food, water, safety, how do we move to those next levels of happiness? I think you, you kind of said it earlier. I, I think there's knowledge of self. And, you know, we enjoy things differently. So somebody who's an introvert is going to enjoy their own company and getting their mind busy in a playground. And somebody who's an extrovert is going to have that being out doing something interesting with friends. Um, we do know that novelty is a pretty big part of the equation. Curiosity, creativity, those are the things that really light up the dopamine receptors. And it's interesting because those are the things that always pay off. We adapt to everything else. Mm -hmm. we, we, we adapt to more money. We adapt to, to nicer things. We adapt to new neighborhoods. And our happiness level doesn't permanently increase. Just the change is a temporary increase. Mm -hmm. above and beyond we can get a lot of happiness by being not starving but we can't get a lot of happiness by having heated leather seats beyond a car that already got us there those are very small percentages for a really big car payment um is it like a temporary bump in happiness is that where we're mm -hmm. saying novelty yeah yeah so you know one of the so lottery winners in quadriplegics both resume very similar levels of happiness and not too long after the event, like six months to a year, both people res resume the exact same level of happiness they had before the event. But curiosity, creativity, connection with people, there's a couple things that seem to be built into the algorithm of life or whatever that those always produce the same level of happiness every time. We don't adapt to those things. Curiosity, connection did i hear innovation in there or creating um, something new yeah creativity mm -hmm. you know the sort of the umbrella theme is life seems to really really like innovation mm -hmm. anything that's added that hasn't been there before at least for an individual or a culture or whatever that seems to be something life really rewards um so if you want all your dopamine receptors to light up a novel physical activity that has some problem solving in it is great. Um, if I haven't been bouldering for a while, I really ought to go down and try some. Yeah. And say yes to new things. And, you know, if it makes your body move in different ways and you can tell you're sore in different ways and it's the same thing mentally, it's like, Oh, something grew mm -hmm. and life likes growth. And I, you know, kind of going back, that's different than an arrival, you know, it's a practice. So, yeah. I was thinking about that. We were talking maybe our next conversation. I'd love to, um, I'd love to tease out what a good goal is with you. Yeah. Cause, cause I think, I don't know. I think it's just interesting. I think it's an interesting topic. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that coming up for today and I was, um, fascinated, especially the goals versus aspirations element. Mm 